This is Trek Online Bible School with Brad Hunt, and I am excited to take you through Romans chapter 6 today. But before we get going, why don't we have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the lesson. Father, we are thankful for your word, which becomes a light to our feet and a lamp to our pathway. We know where to walk. We know how to live when we pay attention to your word. Father, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would give us grace to receive what your word has to teach and uh, enlighten us and enable us to do the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, this is Brad Hunt uh, on this beautiful uh, Monday morning. I'm uh, speaking to you from my home office and looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, It'd be great to receive a response from any of you who listen. You can certainly send me an email. My uh, email address is bradhunt at mailbox.org. And you can send me response, request uh, some of my books. uh, And I'd love to be in touch with you. But we have been going through the letter to the church in Rome and uh, the book of Romans. And so I am going to start chapter six here and we'll get into it right now. Coming from chapter five, Paul explained to his uh, congregation, the congregation at Rome, that uh, things had changed vastly in uh, the kingdom of God, or I should say since the kingdom of God came to earth, things changed drastically. Uh, Whereas the previous way of drawing close to God was through animal sacrifice, and you had to go through a human high priest, and it could only happen either once a year for the entire nation, or you had to bring a qualified Uh, sacrifice to the temple in Jerusalem, and uh, you had to make sure that you were prepared. The high priest had to know that he was prepared. Uh, The priests had to know they were prepared, and they would bring the sacrifice and offer it according to regulations, and God would accept you, and then you would worship him from afar, if you will. You never could draw close to him, Uh, The high priest was the only one who could draw close to him, and that was only once a year. And then he had to fear for his life, because if he uh, missed one of the sanctifying regulations uh, in preparation, he could die just because the presence of God is that powerful. Uh, Thank God through Jesus Christ, we can come into the very holy of holies uh, in the presence of God because we're covered by his righteousness 
and we are sons and daughters of God through the grace of God as we put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul was teaching the Roman Christians in chapter 5 was that the problem of sin had been taken care of. And what is that problem? The problem is that God uh, said that the soul that sins, it shall die. He says that in the Old Testament. And uh, you can't get around it. There was only one punishment for sin, and that punishment was sin. You can fi- or was a death. Forgive me, and you can find that even in the letter to the Romans that uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, so there's no getting around it that the soul that sins it shall die, and so every one of us is basically under a death sentence. Uh, because none of us can keep from breaking God's righteous law. So God knew that we could not possibly uh, achieve the status of righteous in his sight, and so he sent his only son to become one of us and to take our punishment so that he could uh, show grace to the rest of us. And that's what happened. Now, through the gospel, the good news that is being declared all over the world, uh, people are hearing about this uh, grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they believe and accept it, uh, the Lord will give them a brand new birth. Uh, and, uh, but if they refuse it, if they don't believe it, then they continue on in their sin and uh we just pray that uh, by God's grace, one day they'll accept it so that they don't have to experience eternity apart from God in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And uh, people, along with the devil and his angels, will be tormented day and night for eternity uh, because they rejected this gift of God. Now, Jesus did not come to help angels. He came to help the you know, the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of those who believe. And so we need to put faith in Jesus Christ ourselves. And the problem of sin was dealt with on the cross when Jesus died. And Jesus' death was so effectual in dealing with sin that he paid for all the past sins that were ever committed, He's paying for every present sin that is being committed. He also paid for every future sin that will be committed. He paid for all sin for all time. You can find that in the letter to the Hebrews. So those who receive Jesus by faith are made perfect in the sight of God because they are in Christ. Now, You look at yourself in the mirror, you know your faults, you know your failings, you know your sins, and so does your spouse, and so do your kids. And you would say, there is no way that I am perfect, nor could I expect to be perfect forever. Well, that's the power that Jesus' blood has for us. His blood paid for our sin, and we are now... uh, Our sins are blotted out. And when God looks at our record, 
he sees simply one word because we've put faith in Jesus Christ. He sees the word righteous in our uh, record book. And so we can come before him as if we never have sinned because that's what Jesus did for us. So anyway, as we continue in our life, we're going to sin, but upon learning that we are free from the penalty of sin, we are free from the power of sin, and that basically sin has no right to condemn us to death anymore. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, now, uh, the logical question that could be asked is, well, then is it okay for us to just continue sinning? And Paul had, you know, had to answer that because some people would be foolish enough to presume that that was the logical conclusion. So Paul says in, in verse 1 of Romans 6, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Because that's what he said was happening since Jesus died on the cross. God was able to show grace that was greater than all the sin that could ever be committed. And so Paul said that the law, God's law, was actually given to make sin increase, not for any other purpose, but to show people how sinful they were. And so the more they sinned, uh, the more God showered his grace. And so, you know, when people find out that God's grace is that rich and that you can't outrun the grace of God, you know, I mean, that's, that's like a 12-ton a, a weight off your back, if you will, and say, I'm free. I'm free. I don't have to be afraid of dying in sin. I don't have to be afraid of dying and going to hell. I'm on my way to heaven. I have been forgiven of all my sin, past, present, and future, and now I'm in Jesus, and I'm going to heaven to live with God forever and ever, and when I sin, I can ask forgiveness, and God cleanses me, and I can go on as if I have never sinned. And so someone might foolishly say, well, then does it really matter if I sin? And Paul said, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, of course not. He, and then he gives the reason for it. He says, we are those who have died to sin. By the way, I'm reading from the New International Version, just in case you want to follow along. But so Paul says, uh, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so this got the people thinking that, okay, you say I died to sin. What does that mean? And then he continues in verse 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And that is an interesting concept. You see, if you've been in the church any length of time, you may have heard someone saying what I said earlier in this podcast, and that is that we are in Christ. What does that mean? That means 
that I have been united with the Lord Jesus so that I belong to him and he is in my heart. And Jesus talked about this in the Gospel of John. He said that the Father was in him and he was in the Father. And then he turned around and said to his disciples, he said, and I am in you and you are in me. So what does that mean? It means that we, by faith, you know, by putting our faith in him, he is our Lord and Savior. We trust him as our elder brother because he is, uh, let me give you another theological concept here. He is the firstborn from the dead, which means he is the first man that has ever been resurrected from the dead to never die again. Now, you know that in the Bible, or perhaps even uh, certain anecdotes that you've heard, there are some people that may have risen from the dead or that God spared them from, uh, you know, staying dead, if you will. Uh, But they died again. Jesus rose from the dead and will never die again. He's the first man who rose from the dead and will never die again. He is living a brand new eternal life full of the power of God. He is in his spiritual body and we know that because after his resurrection he just appeared in a room where the disciples were and uh, they thought they were seeing a ghost but he came over to the table where they had some food and he asked them if they had any fish they gave it to him and he ate some and he also showed them his hands and his his side and his feet where he had been uh, nailed to the cross where the spear had been thrust into his side and, and opened up his side and his feet had nail holes in them so he showed them his body it was solid Uh, It would appear just like our body. However, he could come and go from that room without going through a door. So clearly, he had a different dimensionality about him in his present uh, eternal spiritual body that we are looking forward to. That is uh, what's going to happen According to Romans, the letter to the Romans, that one day we're going to achieve our final adoption, and maybe that's not the best word for it. We're going to receive our new bodies at our final adoption where these old fleshly bodies, these tents, if you will, that we live in, are going to be left here on earth We're going to be changed in in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to receive our glorified, uh, spiritual, heavenly bodies, which will uh, live forever, and uh, we will shine with the glory of our Father. Jesus said uh, that uh, his followers will shine like the sun. So that's coming. But right now, until we reach that day, Uh, we still live in these decaying bodies, Um, which, by the way, still still are subject to sin. And that's what chapter 6 is all about. It's how to live this resurrection life in these decaying bodies that still have... uh, 
temptation to sin. Uh, how do we live in this uh, condition? Because we're brand new. We're born again. We're, we have new desires. We're new people. We want to serve the Lord. And yet there's also a part of us that wants to sin. And uh, if you haven't discovered that because you're such a brand new Christian, you will. You'll find out that those desires have not been eradicated. And so Paul started this whole uh, discussion by saying, shall we continue sinning uh, so that God's grace may, you know, once again show itself even greater? And he said, of course not. That's not how Christians live. It matters how we live. Uh, And the first thing he says is because we have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer than he said, of course, uh, or don't you know that All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, I'm not sure if uh, what your uh, religious background is or perhaps what baptism you have experienced, if any. Many people experience a baptism as infants. Their parents will bring them to a priest, into a... um, a formal setting in a church where water will be either sprinkled on that child and a priest will uh, perform a ceremony where that child is uh, baptized into the body of Christ through the faith of the parents. And they believe that uh, through that baptism, they believe that that child is now saved, if you will, and part of the body of Christ. Uh, We do not, and when I say we, I mean people who are of the theological uh, mindset that I am, uh, we do not believe that uh, baptism saves anyone. We believe that baptism is taught to us as a testimony, a public declaration of what has happened in our heart. It is a public forum before our uh, fellow believers and even unbelievers that we now are in Christ Jesus. We uh, belong to him. We are part of his uh, body on earth, which is the church, by the way, and that uh, we plan on following him and uh, to imitate him and his lifestyle and to obey his commandments. That is our intent, uh, because our, our lives have been changed. Our very nature has been changed. Jesus called it being born again. And so anyway, uh, when we get baptized, uh, we do not get baptized with a sprinkling. We will go into uh, water. Uh, so that there is enough water for us to be immersed in it, and then a pastor or a a deacon or maybe another believer will uh, speak some words like this. He'll say, well, upon confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then they, and then we are dipped down into the water below the surface of it so that we're completely covered by water. And then we are brought back out. Now, our teaching is that uh, is based on Romans chapter 6. And that is that just as Jesus died, was buried in the ground or in a tomb, He was buried by being placed in a tomb and a stone being rolled over the 
opening to the tomb, so he was buried in the earth. That is how the Bible talks about it. And then when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that that entire um, experience is, you know, what Jesus went through right there becomes our experience when we undergo baptism into his name. Uh, now, we, we don't believe that uh, we should be baptized only in the name of Jesus. There is a, a group in Christendom that believes that we are only to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We believe that at the end of the Gospels, where the Lord said um, uh, that you baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, is the pattern that we should follow. And so that is how we baptize people. But when you are baptized... It is a symbolic joining of you with the one into whose name you are baptized. And we are being baptized into Christ Jesus. So we are now in him. Uh, And you say, well, how does that happen? Well, it is a spiritual transaction. In fact, Jesus described it kind of like a miracle. He was talking to a man named Nicodemus, and he said, Nicodemus, if you aren't born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus was a spiritual teacher for the nation of Israel, and he was flabbergasted when Jesus told him that. And he said, how in the world can you be born again? He said, can a man enter his mother's womb for a second time and be born. So this this is where his mind was at. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. So being born again is a spiritual transaction. And Jesus described it this way. He said, the wind blows wherever it wants to. And you can't see the source where it came from, and you can't see where it went. He said, this is the way it is for everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't see uh, how the Spirit does it. You don't see where the Spirit came from or how the Spirit went into that person or how he changed him or her. You You can't see it but you can sure see the effects of it. When someone is born again, they change. They're a brand new person. Uh, we had a couple of, of, of people uh, at uh, the, the last place, uh, I should say, that, yeah, the last place that I was a pastor at in Wisconsin, we had a couple that used to drive by our church because they lived in the neighborhood. They used to drive by our church before they had accepted Jesus as their Savior. And so they were not born again. And uh, they used to drive by our church and see the cars there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And one of them told me, uh, after they had uh, accepted Christ and started coming to our church, they told me that they used to drive by our building and laugh at us. They used to laugh at us as the crazy uh, Christians who would go to church three times a week and, and what was wrong with them. You know, don't they have better things to do with their life than to waste their time at church? So this, is, this was what their mindset was. Well, then uh, through a, 
what I would consider a providential uh, experience, I had the chance of um, conducting the man's mother's funeral. And uh, through that, we struck up a relationship, and I ended up uh, sharing the gospel with them, and they accepted Jesus as their Savior, and they were born again. They became brand new, and you say, okay, how do you know that? Well, this is what I want to tell you. They started coming to our church on a regular basis, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, um, and one day, the, the woman, whose name was Diane, said to me, she said, you know, Pastor, there's, there's only one problem with our church. Of course, as a pastor, you never want to hear anyone complain or say that our church has a problem. So I said, oh, well, what is that? And she said, the problem is we don't have it more often. And I started laughing to myself because she had told me that they used to drive by the church and laugh at us because we came Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And now, after they had been born again by the Holy Spirit, they couldn't get enough of time with the Lord or with the Lord's people. This is how vastly someone changes when the Holy Spirit... uh, conducts this spiritual transaction, performs this miracle, if you will. We, and so when I talk about being baptized into the Lord Jesus, uh, you may see that as a little bit spooky or a little bit weird. How can this happen? Well, I just shared with you how it can happen. Something spiritually takes place that makes us a brand new person and we are now in Christ Jesus. We have desire, the same desires that Jesus has. We have the same life that Jesus has. We have, we have the same experiences that Jesus has had and has. We are one with him. You say, well, that sounds a little bit mysterious. Well, let me go on and explain what Paul was trying to get across to these people. He said, we died to sin. And you might say, well, if I died to sin, uh, you know, someone needs to tell my, uh, you know, my mind and my heart because I, every, you know, just too often the desire to sin pops up. Well, we'll deal with that in a little bit. But right now, I want you to know something. And that is, according to God, that you, when you were baptized because you said, I want to uh, declare to, you know, publicly that I belong to Jesus Christ and so you do that through water baptism and so um, water baptism is as I said you go down into a water that you know maybe comes up to your your waist uh, just enough for you to get uh, immersed in water and then brought back up and then the officiating uh, person will uh, baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. You'll go under the water. You'll be brought back up. And that pictures uh, a life before death going down under the water, pictures a life that has died and been buried. Coming up out of the water is a picture of a life that has risen and is brand new. So that picture is what you need to keep in mind because this is what has happened to us 
when we accept Jesus as our Savior and we are born again. So, we are baptized into Jesus' death, okay? That means just as Jesus died, we died. And you would say, just a minute, Brad, uh, I never died. Well, that's not true spiritually. As a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has put faith in him and has been changed by uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit, your old nature died. The Bible says that all through the New Testament, it says you died and your life is no longer yours. So you need to understand something. Your old life your old nature. You say, well, what's my old nature? Well, Paul said either to the Galatians or the Ephesians, I don't remember, I think it's the Galatians. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he goes into sins of uh, sexual immorality. He goes into sins of uh, indulgence, you know, where people get drunk all the time or, or, um, you know, and the things that are, that happen when they are drunk and they don't have control of themselves. Also sins of anger and violence and things like that. They are obviously the acts of the flesh. That's your old nature. If you used to be a heavy drinker and a hard fighter, uh, most people, when they are born again, if they've had that kind of a, a past, they change, they become vastly different and the people who used to see them at the bar fighting all of a sudden see them going to church and they're not going to the bar all the time and they're not picking a fight every time they go and they say what happened to you and it's because a person has been born again they're not the same person they used to be because the old them if you will died that person died just like jesus died that person in Christ died. And not only did they die, that old uh, nature was buried in the ground, just like Jesus was buried in the tomb. That old, my old nature was buried. Okay, so if, if something is dead and buried, that means that it doesn't have power anymore. It's over. It's done with. Uh, and so keep that in mind as I continue on here. The next step in water baptism is then to be brought up out of the water. And that is a picture of Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit that gave life to his dead body. And it was raised incorruptible. Okay, before we die, every one of our bodies is decaying. Every year that goes by, we get another year older. And as the decades go by, we get decades older. Then all of a sudden, illness starts popping up. All of a sudden, our body gets weaker. We lose stamina. We need to start taking medication. We need to start taking vitamins. We have to exercise more or we lose a muscle tone. And, and many of us have to, have to work at keeping our minds sharp because our bodies are decaying. 
And that's a, a different theology to talk about that has to do with Adam's sin and God saying that the, the day you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die. And, and so when, when Adam sinned, not only did he start the process of death in his own body, but all of creation was attached to him because he was made from the dust of this earth. And so that's a, a different uh, theological discussion altogether. But just let me say that, uh, so that has affected every person who has ever been born and lived. We all begin to decay the moment we're born. And so Jesus had that type of a body before he died. And he was getting older, and he grew up, and he was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, and he had a three-year ministry, and then he was crucified and taken down and put into a grave. Well, that body, had he continued existing, that body would have continued getting older. But he died, and then when he was reanimated by the Spirit of God, he rose with a brand new body this was no longer the body that was subject to decay his new body is the kind of a body that jesus told us or i'm uh forgive me not jesus but the the apostle it was actually paul uh taught us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god because the kingdom of god is eternal and we are inheriting god's kingdom but we can't do that in our present physical condition, being flesh and blood. And you say, why, why are you saying flesh and blood like that? When Jesus appeared after his resurrection in the room with his disciples, and he ate some fish to show to them that it, he wasn't a ghost, he was actually a, a, a Jesus in a body, he said, he, he described himself as flesh and bone. He did not describe himself as flesh and blood because he no longer needed blood. He is alive by the life of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we expect um, when we undergo our final adoption uh, when Jesus returns and the sons of God are revealed and uh, we will be changed, the Bible says, in the, in, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment at the last trump. That's how the Bible says it. We're going to be changed. Uh, not only has our spirit been changed when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, but now our body's going to change. And it's going to become an eternal body of flesh and bone that is alive by the Spirit of God that can inherit an eternal kingdom. Because, you know, we'll never get old, we'll never uh, decay, we'll, we'll remain the same. Um, let me just insert this because someone may have a, a question about this, and this is just a tidbit for you to think about. But I've, I've heard testimony of people that God has um, revealed some things to, and, uh, and since I've heard it from several individuals, I tend to take this as relatively serious, but uh, I, I've heard a testimony that people that God has allowed people to see loved ones who had uh, died and and gone to be with the Lord, and whatever age they were when they died was not how they appeared when they saw them. 
For instance, if uh, their loved one died at a ripe old age, let's say 90 years old, the the version of them that the Lord had them see was someone who was about 35 years of old of age, about 35 years of age. And I've heard that a number of times from different individuals who claim to have had uh, an experience with the Lord where he allowed them to see individuals that had gone on to be with him. And the description they gave was consistent that the people appeared to be in their early to mid thirties. So I expect that uh, the bodies we receive uh, are not going to be 90-year-old bodies. They're not going to be two-year-old bodies. I think the bodies will be young adults. And that's just a tidbit for you to think about and to, uh, it, it's not theology, but it's just something interesting that may answer some questions that you have. So anyway, let's get back to living as a Christian in our present decaying bodies that still have a sinful nature. Now, while our old nature has died and we are brand new, the flesh and the cravings of our flesh uh, have not gone away. So basically, we have two natures, if you will, inside of our body as a believer. So when, when the issue of sin comes up, Paul says, Shall we continue to sin so that God's grace increases all the more? And he says, that's ridiculous. And if, if someone ever says to you that because they're in Christ, now they're free to sin and, and they, they don't try and resist it and, and things like that, they're deceived because that is not, God doesn't approve of us just giving in to sin. No, we are to strive against sin, but we don't have to live in fear of sinning because uh, we're in Christ and we're under grace. So we're on our way to heaven. And then Paul says, you know, you're baptized into the death of Christ. And so Jesus died, we died. Jesus was buried, we were buried. Jesus rose, we are part of his resurrection. So the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit inside the believer is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So I want you to get that into your heart. The, the power of the Lord in you is greater than you realize. Keep that in mind during the times that you feel weak, that you feel far from God, that you feel like you have no power over any present circumstances. That's not true because the power that is in you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So let's finish these first few verses and move on. When Paul said that, uh, you know, to the believers that you, you need to remember that you were baptized into uh, his death, and so we died. And he said, we were therefore, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then he goes on to say, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, which we have, we've been united in, you know, we've been united with Jesus by faith through a, a mystery of the Holy Spirit. We're one with him. 
and and our old our old self died just like Jesus died then uh, the rest of verse 5 we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his so the life that is in us is resurrection life if i can use that term bear that in mind you have resurrection life in you as a follower of Christ uh, verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. Okay, that's what I said before, our old nature. That, that part of us that, you know, partied hard, that, that uh, beat up our wife, that, uh, you know, uh, committed those sins that we're ashamed of, that old life died. Thank God it died. It was crucified. When Jesus was crucified, that old nature of ours was crucified with him. And the reason that our old self was crucified with him was so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And here's what that means. That means that Jesus' body, even though he did not have a sin nature, and that's, that's other theology, by the way. We're not going to go deep into that right now. Jesus did not have a sin nature. He could have sinned if he chose to, but he did not have a sin nature and he overcame when the temptation came. He was able to overcome, and he never sinned once. The Bible said he died without sin. He never sinned. And so his body, which uh, was subject to sin, is just like our body, except he didn't have a sinful nature. So our bodies are just like Jesus' old body except ours is ruled by sin. Before we know Jesus, our, our, our body is ruled by sin. And, uh, and you might say, well, I, you know, I have some self-control. Yeah, I think most people have a certain element of self-control, but um, still uh, we'll give in to our sin and, and you know, make foolish decisions and do things that we regret. And, and you say, well, I still do those things, and, and that's another story. We're not going to get to that right now. But by God's grace, you should be quite different than you used to be. Uh, another testimony. I was uh, The first place I served in ministry was in Milwaukee, and there was a man who ended up, uh, he was a younger man, but he and his wife, were they were delightful, and he ended up being elected to serve on our deacon board in the church. And he was a, a church leader. He loved God. He was a solid citizen. And, and I just, you know, couldn't get over how much I respected this guy. And I began talking with him, you know, just over the years that we were there, come to find out that before he knew the Lord, he was a heavy drinker and a drug user. And I looked at him and it was like, no way. There's just no way that you were ever like that. And he says, oh yeah. He says, that's what I was before I accepted Jesus. I, I want you to know, my friend, that Jesus will make you brand new. In fact, some people, I, I really love this statement. I heard a man say that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. And I love that statement because we, when we are, when we're subject to sin and sin rules our lives and we're doing those kind of things that damage our lives and our families, we are dead under sin. 
we're ruled by it as much as we'd like to say we're not. We're ruled by sin and, and, our, and our impulses and things like that much more than when we come to know Jesus Christ. But that old self gets crucified with Jesus when we put faith in him so that that body that, and the sin in that body, the sinful nature in that body which ruled over us can be done away with. And we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. That's the greatest news that uh, some of you need to hear. That as a Christian being born again, you are no longer the same person you used to be. You are no longer a slave to sin. You can say no. Before, when you felt like you had no choice, or maybe you felt like you were pardon me, addicted, or, or there was no place for you to turn, you are brand new now, and sin does not have power over you. And, and Paul goes on in verse 7, talking about our union with Christ. He says, for anyone who has died, which in Christ we died, uh, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And I want you to think about that. The the hardest partier, the, the hellion that you used to watch go around town, the moment they die, they're not doing that anymore. Uh, and they'll never do it again because they died. And when you look at the spiritual reality that you and I died once we joined Jesus Christ, we were united with him in death, our old self died because Jesus' old body and his previous life died. And when he rose, he's now living a brand new life. And so are we. When we accept Jesus and our old life died, now by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been raised to new life. And so we have been set free from sin. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I just wanted to say that. I don't know why, but I just I had to say that. Chew on that. Think about it. You have been set free from sin. Do you know knowing the truth and believing the truth is a huge step toward overcoming a bad habit, uh, things that plague us? Uh, God has given us the power over sin. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here is a powerful truth. There are a lot of Christians, in my opinion, who struggle with sin because they have never been taught or they forgot that they died to sin. And just like the Bible says here in verse 10, that the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. So now, you know, living in this world, he was subject to sin. But he never gave in to it. But now that he has died, 
Sin no longer has any temptation on him, and the life that he lives now is brand new. He lives to God. There is no longer any tug from sin because he's in a brand new body, and he has a brand new life. And so Paul says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friend, you have died to sin. And in the same example that that Paul used about Jesus, the death that you died to sin, you died once for all. Think about that and tell yourself that every time the temptation arises to go back to a previous sin or, or habit, remind yourself that you are dead to that. You died to that. And you're alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that is a big part of the battle that Christians have, is they either don't know or they have forgotten that they died to sin. And they died once for all. So it's like sin, we're dead to sin. And remind yourself of that. Tell yourself that. You are dead to sin And when that temptation pops up, say to it, I'm dead to you. You you have no power in my life. I am dead to you. And, And don't let that sin back into your life. Just remind yourself that you are dead to that sin and don't let it come back. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. It's just what I was telling you. You see, just as Jesus could have sinned, he didn't. In the same way, you are alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can sin, but you don't have to. You have power to say no. You have died to that sin. And, and, and some people say, well, you know, it's an addiction and uh, I, I can't be free of it. I do realize that there are some physical uh, ties that some people have to addiction. But I want to tell you something. Any mental or spiritual tie that you had to that addiction, I believe, since you are brand new in Christ Jesus, I believe those ties are broken. I believe that, and you say, well, well, but but I'm afraid, and, and that's part of your problem. Part of your problem is you don't believe that they're broken. You, you think that they still have power over you, but that's not the truth. That is actually a lie. In fact, when you were a slave of sin before you knew Jesus, you were living according to a lie. Uh, even though your body has a, a, and perhaps an addiction to a particular substance, uh, that uh, your mind told you, your mind told you, or Satan told you that you couldn't be free from it. He told you that you were destined to live that way the rest of your life, uh, that if you quit it, you would die, and all these different things that Satan lied to you about. Well, now that you have been born again, you're brand new in Christ. Listen to the truth. The truth is you have been set free from sin. And that mental 
and that spiritual tie, if you will, to that addiction has been broken in Jesus Christ. It has no power over you. If your body still has some tie to it, then get some medical help so you can get over the withdrawal, so you can uh, let your body get back into a healthy setting. But your mind and your soul needs to be reminded of the truth that Jesus has set you free and you are not addicted to that anymore, that you are free in Jesus Christ and that uh, you're going to go on without that addiction. And I believe that with all my heart, with all my heart, I believe that Jesus has set you free. So don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Uh, You just say no. And you say, well, easier said than done. I agree. Saying no is easier said than done. You will have to set some boundaries for yourself. You'll have to make wise decisions. You may have to allow someone else to help you. Uh, If you're a married man, and let's say you have trouble with pornography, then I challenge you to put a filter on your Uh, some type of a safety filter on your modem uh, that will uh, block out certain uh, explicit sites and let your wife set the password and not give it to you. So allow yourself to be made accountable. Get someone to help you so that you can steer clear of that sin when the temptation gets to be too strong for you. And the, the more that you overcome your sin, the more that you put that to death, the less of a tug it will have on you because you've been set free from it. It's it's not your slave master anymore because you're under God's grace now. And his grace is there for every failure. His grace is there for every sin. Um, so, So don't be afraid. Let someone help you. Let someone hold you accountable. And, and find your freedom from that. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. And verse 13, he says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, uh, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Uh, let's, let's use the illustration of... Um, uh, pornography again. If if your fingers used to type in the address to the porn site, don't let your fingers do that anymore. And part of that is, uh, you know, can be taken care of by putting that filter on your modem and giving, letting your wife set the password. Um, you know, do other things that can keep you from following through on that temptation. Don't give your fingers to type that address. Don't give your eyes to look at those things. Don't give your ears to listen to that. And and I realize that, uh, you know, it, it may take a step at a time and you may fail on the way. Come to Christ in all sincerity, ask for his forgiveness and let him cleanse you and, uh, and set you free and don't live under shame and guilt, but rather overcome this addiction, this sin. Don't give the parts of your body as instruments of wickedness. Don't do it anymore. And you say, easier said than done. And I would be the first one to say, you got it. That's right. However, you can do it. And it's not just a self-help thing. It's not self-help. 
It's what God has done for you. It's over. Don't let Satan lie to you anymore. Don't let friends lie to you anymore. Don't let that friend who used to drag you off where you got drunk and and you did foolish things when you were drunk, don't give in to that friend anymore. Say to him, man, I love you. You're my friend. But no, that's that's the old me. I'm not going to do that anymore uh, because it, it ruins my life. Uh, verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master <clears throat> because you're not under the law, but under grace. Sin isn't your master anymore. Jesus is your master. Now give yourself to him. Give yourself to him. Now that your heart has changed, now that your, 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 your nature is new and your desires have changed, Give yourself to Jesus. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? You see, this is, an, this is something that I pray you're, you're getting here is that God's grace is so great that you don't have to fear sinning anymore. You don't have to fear your failures. Does that give us the right to just keep sinning? No, it doesn't give us the right to do that. But it does remove that fear. It does remove that sense of being under its control. We are free from it. And God's grace is more than enough to take care of us. So uh, he said in verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, this is a very simple illustration. Even if you're born again, even if you're saved, if you choose to give your fingers, your ears, your eyes, your body, if you choose to give any part of yourself over to a sin, you become that sin's slave. Jesus said this in the Gospels. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. It's just the truth. And so you say, well, sometimes I fail. All right, then admit your failure. Get your forgiveness. If you need help, if you need someone to hold you accountable, get that. If you need to uh, change the path that you walk home from work, do that. But there are ways that you can, uh, that you can avoid that sin, so the temptation lessens and eventually leaves. So don't give yourself over to sin. Don't give any part of your body, your brain, or anything over to sin. Just, you know, give it over to God. Uh, because by obeying the Lord, that leads to righteousness. Uh, verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Brothers and sisters, what I am teaching you today gives life to your body, to your soul, to your spirit. And I'm, because I'm not teaching my words, I'm teaching you God's words. You accept these words. You obey these words. You give yourself to these words and you'll find life, 
You'll find joy. You'll find a happier, more fulfilling marriage. You'll find better sex. You'll find, oh, I'm telling you, you think, you think that life as a Christian means becoming like a monk and avoiding the things that, that God has designed for enjoyment in life? Then you have been deceived. That is not true by any means. God has des- created all things for the enjoyment of his elect. It's just that Satan perverts it and uh, turns it into a sinful practice and selfish and things like that. But when you listen to the words of God, you can enjoy life in a way that you have never done before. The most enjoyment you'll get is that you'll have a clear conscience. You'll have a pure relationship. You'll have, you, you won't be afraid of, of what your wife or your husband might find out. You won't be afraid of uh, failing in your, in your money management or in your marriage or in your parenting. You won't be afraid of that because you're, you're accepting the words of God. So you've been entrusted to this teaching. Now give your allegiance to it and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now, Paul chose in verse 19, he chose to use an example from everyday life, which in in his day, uh, slavery was quite common. Uh, People in Rome and uh, and in the areas where Paul moved and and taught owned slaves. And uh, so everyone understood that a slave basically did what their master told them. They didn't ask questions. They didn't, you know, it just, the slave master told you to do it, you did it. And he was trying to teach them that that's how sin works in a person's body. That craving, that urge in you will say, oh, don't you want this? And, and you'll say, yeah, I do want that. And so you'll follow that craving and you'll do it because you had the urge and you may not even think of it as sin, and yet the Holy Spirit will help you recognize when you're giving into sin. And you need to learn to say, yeah, you know what? I don't want to go that way anymore um, because I remember what it did to me and what it did to my marriage. I, I remember what it did to uh, you know, my uh, bank account. I remember, you know, remind yourself of these things, and uh, you have been set free from sin. And you are now a slave of righteousness. Verse 19, Paul said, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, and we all have them. We all have human limitations. So it helps us to know that uh, it helps us to know that we have given ourselves to God to be his slave. And so just think of yourself as the servant of the Lord. And you don't want to do what he hasn't told you to do. Um, So let's go on to verse 20 here. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. You see, there is a wicked, uh, let me use this word, there's a wretched cycle that uh, takes place when you give in to impurity and sinfulness, it leads to greater 
impurity and greater wickedness and and greater lust and greater this and greater that. And, And it just, if you allow it to continue, it'll take you deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. But you're free from that. Now offer yourselves to the Lord and those right things that you do will lead to other right things, which will lead to other right things, which leads to holiness, which leads to you seeing God, because the Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And it leads to greater experiences in God. It leads to a closeness to him. And, uh, uh, and now listen to this in verse 20. Paul said, when did, uh, when did uh, forgive me, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. And that's basically logical and true. When you were in sin and you didn't give in to righteousness, but rather you gave in to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. By the way, you're going to be controlled by something. You may think that by telling that preacher to mind his own business, you may think that by telling that uh, individual that, you know, you're going to do what you want, you may think that you are being uh, exercising your free will. You're not. You're going to be controlled by something. And you're either going to be controlled by sinfulness and your own selfishness and, uh, and become a slave to your desires and passions, or you're going to be controlled by righteousness and your heart is going to do what, uh, what your conscience is telling you and what the word of God is telling you. And that will lead you to holiness. Paul said, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? And this is a big deal for God's people. Remember Remember, when you are tempted to sin, remember the consequences of your last weekend bender. Remember the consequences of the last time you went to Vegas and didn't control your betting and your spending. Remember the consequences of when you gave in and went to that strip club and you went to that peep show. Remember. I'll bet you remember some things you're ashamed of. What benefit did we reap from things like that? No benefit. We're just trying to keep secrets from those that we don't want to know about it. Uh, And the sad thing is, is that uh, if it happens enough, we're going to be found out. And even as a believer, if it happens enough, God's going to expose it. So don't give in to those things that provide no benefit and frankly cause us shame. Those things result in death. That's verse 21. But now that you have been set free from sin, verse 22, and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. My friend... Do you want to live forever? It sounds, it sounds almost unreal or unbelievable, but that's actually what God promises us. 
He promises us that we will live forever and that we will live forever with him. And you have no idea how great of a blessing it's going to be to live forever with him where there's no darkness, there's no sorrow, there's no lack, there's perfect peace, there's perfect um, uh, joy, there's great relationships with your other your fellow believers. We'll be in His presence. Uh, we'll see the One who gave His life for us, and I believe we'll see the the holes in His wrists and the holes in His feet and the wound in His side from and the sacrifice that uh, that He gave for us, and we'll feel the love that uh, we don't deserve, but that. God has for us. And and this chapter ends with a famous verse. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn from sinning. We earn death. You say, you mean we're going to drop dead? Well, someday, yeah. However, death is not just a soul separating from the body. You can have the death of a marriage. You can have the death of a relationship with your child. You can have the death of a company. You can have the death of, you know, your fortune. You can have death in a lot of areas in your life. And that's what happens when we continue to practice sin. We purchase death. But... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we turn to Jesus, if we accept his gift of new life, of a brand new life, then we're headed to eternal life and we're not sinning like we used to and our our lives will eventually get better. And in the end, we will inherit the kingdom of God, we'll have new bodies, we'll shine like the sun, we will inherit the kingdom of God, and we'll live forever with God, and we'll have honored purpose in his kingdom. God bless you, my friend, and my prayer is that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. God be with you. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within his presence I speak Jesus